You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's April 26th. Research has shown that exposure to trauma among children is relatively common. In fact, it's more the rule than the exception. One study found that nearly two-thirds of children had experienced or witnessed violence, crime, or abuse in the past year. The impacts are far-reaching. Childhood traumas are linked to poor academic performance, decreased reading ability, and lower high school graduation rates. Kids exposed to trauma also face mental and physical health problems later in life. These effects were widespread among students in South Los Angeles in the 1990s. Many children reported that they had seen gang assaults, shootings, or death. The Los Angeles School's Director of Mental Health Services at the time reached out to RAND for help. And over the next several years, our researchers developed one of the first programs for kids exposed to trauma, the Cognitive Behavioral Intervention for Trauma in Schools, or CBITS. CBITS was designed to be delivered in schools by staff, psychologists, or social workers. That way, children wouldn't need to find a ride to a therapist's office. Since its creation, the program has helped students from L.A. to Newtown, Connecticut to Fukushima, Japan. Just how effective is CBITS? When it was used to help young Hurricane Katrina survivors, more than 90% of the kids who participated in the program completed it and showed marked improvements in PTSD and depression symptoms. That was compared with traditional clinical therapy which was only completed by 15% of children. Unfortunately, the need for programs like CBITS isn't going away anytime soon. There are always more kids that need support. Next, RAND researchers are tailoring CBITS for children in Puerto Rico whose lives were upended by the recent hurricanes. If you'd like more information or you're interested in using the program, RAND and its partners make manuals and training materials available for free at cbitsprogram.org. Russia is never so strong nor so weak as it appears. This maxim, according to RAND experts, remains as true today as it was in the 19th and 20th centuries. Russia is still a formidable U.S. opponent in some key areas, primarily due to its use of information warfare and its conventional military arsenal. But Russia also has many vulnerabilities. A new RAND report explores this idea by building on the concept of long-term strategic competition developed during the Cold War, some of which originated at RAND. It examines the nonviolent ways the U.S. can exploit the Kremlin's weaknesses while undermining its current advantages. According to the report, the most promising options for achieving these goals involve putting more pressure on the Russian economy, which is relatively small and highly dependent on energy exports. Tactics could include expanding U.S. energy production or imposing deeper trade and financial sanctions. Rand's Robert Parker is a retired Coast Guard vice admiral. In his decades of service, he has led both all-male crews and crews made up of men and women. He prefers the latter, by far. In Parker's experience, including women in the ranks brings much-needed candor, directness, and order, which may not be as prevalent when units are, quote, packed only with good but rambunctious young men. Parker says that the Coast Guard may be advanced in its inclusionary efforts when compared to many corporations with similar workforce dynamics. But there is more to be done. Quote, 
When the Coast Guard zeroes in on evidence-based and appropriate accommodations for women and their physical capacities, as well as with childbearing, childrearing, and family life, it will benefit everyone in uniform. Space is becoming more and more congested with satellites of all sizes and types. To avoid collisions, most spacefaring nations communicate and share their satellite position data. But a few countries, notably Russia and China, do not. What's more, these two countries may be developing kamikaze satellites, which are designed to slam into a target satellite rather than just inspect it from afar. RAND's Bruce McClintock says this highlights the need for greater transparency in space and for new international rules to hold non-compliant actors accountable. Smuggling unlawful migrants from Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador to the U.S. generated an estimated $200 million to $2.3 billion for human smugglers in 2017. That's according to a new report from the Homeland Security Operational Analysis Center, operated by RAND. This estimate is so wide-ranging because of uncertainty about a number of factors, the number of migrants that travel northward, their use of smugglers, and the fees that they pay. Notably, the study finds that transnational criminal organizations are not the only or even the main human smugglers along these routes. Many other actors, including ad hoc groups and independent operators, also engage in the practice. There is also little evidence that drug trafficking transnational criminal organizations engage directly in human smuggling. However, they do control primary smuggling corridors into the U.S., and charge migrants a tax, or PISO, to pass through their territories. These findings could provide the Department of Homeland Security with a better understanding of how criminal organizations and others that participate in human smuggling are structured, how they do business, and how they're financed. Ultimately, this could help officials make better decisions about allocating resources to stop human smuggling. The relationship between China and Russia is stronger than it has been in decades. In July of 2017, the two countries' navies conducted a joint exercise in the Baltic Sea for the first time. Last fall, China participated in Russia's annual Vostok military exercise, another first. Bilateral trade between Beijing and Moscow is also growing, and Chinese President Xi Jinping has visited Moscow more than any other capital city since he assumed power in 2013. So how should the U.S. respond to this growing relationship? According to RAND experts, Washington should treat each country as a separate strategic challenge. While it's true that both countries contest U.S. national interests, they do so in different ways. China is a resurgent power focused on achieving economic and technological preeminence. By contrast, Russia is a power in decline focused on stirring up military and ideological chaos. If the U.S. lumps China and Russia together, it could encourage them to work together more closely to undermine U.S. interests. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. See you next week.